Hi, welcome to the Guys From Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith. Today's question comes to us from a few people who have asked us to round out the 2000s as best we can with our tip top 10 movies from 2010 to 2014. You almost threw yourself off by saying tip top 10. It, it, that alliteration just about got me. It, Especially it sure because did. it came up with 2010 right after, so tip top ten movies from 2010. That's that's a lot of T's in that in that little stretch. So, but it's a nice alliteration. It is. Yeah, I'm really glad that we added the tip in the tip top ten. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. So so we obviously can't go further than this for new movies because, well, 2019 isn't upon us yet. So we can only do 2015, 16, 17. Well like a little bit of 2017 so this is as far this way as we can go with movies which means that i guess next we have to <clears throat> get to movies from the 40s and i'm, I'm go still backwards. afraid to do that yeah yeah the way we're supposed to yeah <laughs> the way we're supposed to yeah uh, but i i keep failing so we're gonna really milk this one for all it's worth well and to be fair we we do also have our top 10 movies of the year lists that go up on the guysfrom.com every year, right? That so is we true. are talking top 10 from 2016. We'll do one for 2017. All that sort of stuff we're already doing. So it's true. And I guess uh with that we have those lists are ever evolving, right? Because my list from 2015 might be different than when I wrote it, right? Because I've seen more movies from that that year. And so by the time we get to 2015 to 2019, it will be drastically different than our top 10 movies from each consecutive year. Plus, it would be 10 movies and not 50. So, or in my case, 57. <laughs> or however many I saw in 2000. I think Was you did it? seven. Seven, I think I saw in 15, so I had to do my top five, including Aloha. (laughs) I still, like, we should have just found you something and rented it and watched it, because whatever it was, it would have been better than Aloha. I know, that's, that was, that was a foolish choice of me, but, you know, that was, that was two years ago, and this is a different time and a different place, so. Yeah, literally. Speaking, speaking of two different places, speaking of different place, I, I tipped our hand there. This is our first try at recording remotely. I am yeah. doing this from my comfort in Lethbridge, and Sean is still at his apartment in Calgary. Yeah. So, so, so we're going to see how this is going. It seems to be going okay, and we figured a top ten was a good way to kind of break our way into it. Yeah, because we've done this countless times before, and there's already a, a thing in place. So, I think the main change for anyone listening is we both should sound better. Yeah, theoretically. Because now I, now I have uh, the microphone that we've been using forever is focused on me and closer, so I shouldn't have as much variance. And Dave is using a The Guys From Purchased microphone. <laughs> That's nice. That's got a nice ring to it. Yeah. Yeah, right? exactly. So the only thing – I'm recording this in my kitchen because it had the most surface area, so it's a little echoey, but at least the sound quality is okay. And if, if it sounds too bad and you guys really, really hate it, then I'll try and record somewhere where there's more – stuff on the wall so there's more acoustics or something but i think it'll be okay do you have any carpet in your new place i have an area rug that i brought and that's about it everything literally everything is either linoleum or uh, laminate yeah yeah so my living room has a carpet that i might be able to use so yeah we'll figure we'll figure out some dampening if we have to but that's that's for future sean and dave to worry about this current sean and dave (laughs) Have a top ten list to get to. Exactly. And because you are now literally closer to Donald Trump than I am, I feel like I get to go first. 
you moved closer. <laughs> that is true. Actually, technically, up until this podcast, I was well, up until I moved, you were closer because technically you were further south in Calgary than I was. I was barely south word of your old house. Yes. Mm-hmm. But south enough that you were technically closer to the to the Trump. But yeah, now I am Well, you just you, re- you resented closer. me so much for being that much closer to the sweetness that is the Trump administration that you just you had to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I moved all the way down to Lethbridge just to stick it to you. Yeah. My pride. <laughs> How does that feel, Sean? How does that feel? I am full of shame, which is also my first honorable mention. Nice. Right? Good segue. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with shame? Oh, that's that's a movie? I, I'm not even kidding. That was a segue. That is my first honorable mention, is shame. I, I thought it might be a line from a movie. I didn't realize it was actually the title of your movie. Oh, no. Yeah. So, hey, hey, Sean, what's shame? <laughs> oh, it's like every other movie list. Right? Uh, the more by... things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Or the more they say the shame. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, shame. Okay, what's, what's, what's shame? <laughs> it's by Steve McQueen. Okay. Um, whom we have talked about before. The director, yeah, he did. Obviously, uh, is that Motorcycle Diaries? No, no. I'm trying to like. I know he's done like kind of kind of edgier movies, and he did. He was nominated for a couple Oscars recently, wasn't he? Yeah, he won a few for my other honorable mention. Oh well, then we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> exactly, but Shame okay. is mm-hmm. from 2011, and it stars Michael Fassbender, and it is about a man whose carefully cultivated private life is disrupted when his more carefree sister arrives for an indefinite stay. And his carefully cultivated life is a man dealing with a sex addiction. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that is his shame. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and it's Michael, Michael Fassbender is the main character? Yep. Wow. Uh, I feel like he's done some other stuff with Steve McQueen, has he not? Uh, pretty much everything Steve McQueen has done also has Fassbender in it. That's what I thought. As soon as you said Michael Fassbender's like, oh yeah, I feel like these two do a lot of things together. So yeah, uh, that's cool. Um, is it sounds like it'd be a, a hard movie to watch. It doesn't sound overly happy. Oh yeah, no, it's not happy. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't. It's an hour and forty-one minutes of of a man struggling with. His life spiraling out of control and dealing with need and how experience shapes people and yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for those of us who might want to watch this movie and feel really good about ourselves, uh, is it available on Netflix? It was, as that's how I saw it. Whether or not it's still on Canadian Netflix, I couldn't tell you. Interesting. Well, there is one way to find out. I uh, just pull up my trusty phone with my Netflix app and let it lag for a minute. Ah. And shame. Shameless, shameless, walk of shame. It doesn't look like it. Well, well that's then I guess it's going to be one of those ones that you just have to try and track down. Perfect, like every other movie that you've ever told me about. <laughs> now, to be fair, considering I saw this one on Netflix... It's not that crazy. It could come back, right? That Netflix is true. does that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure at some point it'll come around. 
Yeah. Uh, hopefully, like, better off Ted. Yeah. Which Sean and I were mm. talking about before, because that's great. how we found out about it was on Netflix. Anyway, uh, my first honorable mention is Toy Story 3. Okay, sure. Just, I, I love the movie, and, I mean, theoretically, it probably could squeeze into my top ten, but I wanted to make my top ten non-animated, so, because, you know, how often do I get a chance to do that? So, I, I picked Toy yeah, I picked Toy Story 3. Um, I thought it was a great way to end that series, although, from what I understand, they're making a fourth one. But yes. uh, it seemed like such a, a perfect endpoint for that series, and uh, there was a nice, a, a nice finality to it. And um, I mean, it made me cry because I'd grown up with those toys. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've talked about Toy Story three probably on our favorite animated movies uh, before. So that's really all I'm going to say about that. But um, uh, yeah, Toy Story three. Cool. As somebody who wasn't crazy about the first Toy Story, do you think I should at some point buckle down and watch the full trilogy? I mean, if you weren't crazy about the original, then probably not. I came to it super late. Yeah. Like, everyone else was like, oh, man, I saw it when I was 10. And I'm like, oh, man, I saw it when I was 22. Yeah. See, I saw it in the theater when I was about 12 years old, and... And I was the perfect audience for the Toy Story movies. And I was just blown away by the computer animation and just the idea of toys coming to life. And and uh, so I, I I got in right on the ground floor and I was kind of the ultimate audience for it. Right. Um, so, so yeah, for me, I grew up with it and it was a part of my life. I can understand why as, a, as an adult watching it, it's like, eh, it's okay. It was fine. Yeah. Like I didn't hate it. I thought it was good. I just, there was no part of me that was thinking, oh man, I can't wait to see the sequels. It was more like, okay, now what? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's fair. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way to see it. It's on the movie network from time to time, and okay. if you can find it, that might be worth it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't try to track it down and if it was there. I'd be like, okay, I'll watch it, but yeah. Do I need to see two to follow three? I mean, there are characters that come in episode or in in the second one that you may want to, yeah. <laughs> episode two that you may want to get to know, but they're not they're not overly critical. I mean, it's mostly still the regular gang from the first one, just including Jesse and uh, Bullseye, who are the the horse and the the cowgirl. And oh, and I've seen them. them in other like Halloween things. Yeah, and, so yeah. I'm pretty sure if the third one was on, you wouldn't need to have seen the second one. Okay, great. Yeah. Cool. So my second honorable mention, we kind of half-spoiled already, but it is another Steve McQueen film, this time from 2013, and that's 12 Years a Slave. Ah, that, I think that was the one I was thinking of. I knew, uh, as soon as I said Motorcycle Diaries, I'm like, that's wrong. I know it's not right, but I knew it was kind of a depressing type movie, and yeah, 12 Years a Slave, That that's the one I was probably thinking of. Oh, yeah, uh, compared to... to 12 Years a Slave, shame is a, a romp. Oh, good. <laughs> so, uh, but it's brilliant. And it's based off of 12 Years a Slave by Solomon Northrup. Okay. Uh, it's, it's about a, a, a free man in the North who is captured by slavers, basically tricked and captured by slavers and then brought to the South to be a slave, even though he is a free man. I definitely started watching 12 Years a Slave. Because I remember he ends up getting drunk, right? Like they, like he's a he's a musician. Yep. Yeah, he's a violinist. Yeah, he's a violinist, and he ends up getting drunk with these guys, and all of a sudden he's in he's in captivity. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember the beginning of that, and I don't know why I stopped watching. I don't. I think either I was maybe you were sad enough. It could very well be, or I was just exhausted, and like my brain was just thinking, I don't need to watch something like this. I need to watch something happier, or whatever the the case was. But I have definitely started watching Twelve Years a Slave, and what I saw was beautiful and just extremely hard to watch. Oh, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it definitely deserved the best picture mm-hmm. as it won um but no it is not an easy watch but it is well directed well performed i think they shot it in 30 days 40 days something insane Good like that Lord, really yeah wow but impressive so yeah cool 12 years a slave nice which i also watched on netflix there you go uh my second honorable mention is rum diary Oh, okay. I I mean, I'm a big Hunter S. Thompson fan. I've read several of his books and, and have loved them. And The Rum Diary is probably my favorite of his books. Um, and so when it came out and when I found out that it was Johnny Depp playing Hunter S. Thompson again, kind of before he went crazy, I figured I should maybe go and see it. And it takes place when he was writing for a, a newspaper down in... It's not Puerto Rico. Um, uh, maybe it was Puerto Rico. Somewhere down there. Um, <laughs> San Juan? Yeah, that's Puerto Rico, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I think it was. And is it, is Puerto Rico like an unofficial U.S. state? It's not a state, it's a, it's like a territory. Yeah, so like they... But it's a non-voting member of the United States. But it's the one that is kind of part of the United States, but not an official one of the states. Right. In so it's many like words, a, right? Like like a protectorate, basically. Yeah, yeah, okay. Then I think it is that one because they were able to go down and work there and everything and whatever the whatever the situation was. But um it was him working for this newspaper in San Juan and uh um yeah, it's 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 a good little flick and I really enjoyed it. I preferred the book, but uh and I preferred the movie version of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas to the Rum Diary. Oh. But I still Okay, sure. Um I, I still like the movie and, and figured that it warranted a, an honorable mention. Did I give you a copy of that? The Rum Diary? Yeah. Somebody did. I feel like I, I did. I remember who. I feel like it was downstairs at our lending library. And I was like, ah, oh, Rum Diary. I know Dave likes that, and I think I gave it to you. Yeah, that could very well be, but I can't remember. I definitely got it from somebody, so maybe it was you. I just can't remember who it was that, that actually gave it to me. So uh, if it was you, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's it. I mean, if anybody wants to learn more about what Huntress Thompson was like before he kind of went crazy, go watch this movie, I guess. Or read the book. Well, yeah. I mean, we're just not doing our top ten books. So, But yes, go read the book. Cool. Uh, my number ten is a movie from 2011 that... Uh, Tying it back into what I was just talking about with Rum Diary. That's right. I was making a segue, Dave. Nice. It's The Raid Redemption. Oh. Which you got me a copy of. Because The Raid Redemption came out in 2011. Otherwise known as just The Raid. It's the first Raid movie. Yeah. It is one of the best martial arts movies I've ever seen. One of the best action movies made in the last 15, 20 years. I don't know how I didn't have that one rated. That's crazy. Whoops. Yeah, because that one definitely would have been on my list as well. Um, or maybe I just knew that it was going to be on yours. But I, as soon as you said it, I was like, that, I, I need to put that. So I rated it, and now it's it's officially in there. Yeah, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. It's so movie. good. 
I got you a copy? Such a simple premise. Yeah, you did. You accidentally bought two. You're like, oh, (laughs) here you go. Or no, you didn't. I don't think you accidentally did. I think it was on special for five bucks for the Blu-ray. And you're just like, whatever, I'll get a second one. Something like that. I, I can't remember exactly, yeah. but I do remember that. And I was just, because you were the one who showed me the the trailer for it. Yes. And I, I was instantly intrigued. And so I just thought, okay, well. And that, so I think it was one of those things where it was cheaper. I was just ordering one for myself and you hadn't seen it yet either. Uh, and Or you had seen it, but you wanted a copy. Either way, I was yep. just like, uh I'm buying this for Sean. And so I bought that. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's – what is the – the tagline is one minute of love story, 99 minutes of action or something like that. I think that's what it is, yeah. It's something along those lines. Like right at the beginning, the the main character leaves his, his wife and his newborn child, and he's basically working for a, and his a father. SWAT team. Don't forget his father's and, there too because that's the whole right, premise. Right, and his father and uh, – Basically, he goes and joins up with the their Thai, their Thai Indonesian, Indonesian. Yeah. Um, yeah, this Indonesian SWAT team, and they basically go and they are trying to dispel a drug lord from his high rise bunker. Basically, yeah, like it's, he, a, he owns, it's a thirty floor tenement essentially, yeah. which is run by a crime boss and packed full of goons. Yeah, so every floor is something that there's people that he has to get rid of, and it's just action upon action upon action, and it is so good. Yeah, and there's so many moments, and I think, I feel like we've probably talked about The Raid before on the podcast. I'm sure we have. But there are some moments in The Raid where, man, I am pretty sure that stuntman is dead. Yeah. Like, I don't, I and I know they're not. Because they were very careful about that, and obviously you'd hear about it if if a movie's killing 20 people. Certainly. But I just, I have no idea how they did some of the shots in this. That's really impressive. Yeah, there's a couple where even when we watched the trailer and you showed me, I, I just, I couldn't fathom how those people hadn't died. Yeah. But that's that's some impressive stunt coordinating. So yeah, my number 10 is The Raid. Excellent choice. My number 10 is The Town. Okay. Uh, now, my love for this movie could be because I love Boston. Um, that, that could very well help this. Uh, I also think that when I was in Boston in 2010, they were filming part of it. Um, I don't very know possible. for sure. Yeah. Because it came out in 2010, so I don't know how much filming, and I don't know how much post they needed to do before this movie came out. It came out in the fall, but... Uh, and we Could were there in shoots or that's either way. It was, there was something filming when we were in Boston and then they definitely drove down the street where we stayed while like in the car chase and everything like that. And so there's just, there was a lot of connections to this movie for me having okay. just gone to Boston earlier that year. So I have a little soft spot for it because of that. But I also think it's as far as kind of heist movies go, it's pretty cool. It was the first time I'd ever really seen Jeremy Renner. Oh, yeah. In in anything, I think. And this was kind of his his first co-starring role. I mean, it's it's Ben Affleck. He's the, the main star. But uh, Jeremy Renner was in it, and, and Pete Postolite was in it, and John Hamm, and just a bunch of, bunch of actually really good actors. Blake Lively was in it. She plays kind of a drugged-up uh, junkie from the neighborhood. And anyway, it's basically it's about... Four guys who get together and they rob banks in South Boston, 
Cool. And John Hamm plays an FBI agent who's trying to track them down. And Ben Affleck is one of the, the main guys who is who orchestrates the, the robberies and everything like that. And Chris Cooper plays his dad in one scene. And it's, it's really good. And I don't want to spoil the end because it's not necessarily a movie that a lot of people have seen. But The Last Heist is real good. And I have a real soft spot for it because of what they rob so i'm just gonna leave it at that and if anybody wants to go see it and then have a conversation about it i will gladly get into a conversation about the the town with you is the heist better than the thomas crown affair i mean the heist itself is probably not as good as the thomas crown affair because that's just a really fun one but the location is better in my opinion okay yeah Mm mm-hmm sure which Thomas Crown Affair are you thinking of? The Steve McQueen one? Well, or the I've only Pierce ever Brosnan seen the Pierce Brosnan one? one, so that one. Uh, is okay. the is the Steve McQueen one better? It's different. At, overall, as a movie, yes. Because Steve McQueen, Faye Dunaway versus Rene Russo and Pierce Brosnan. Certainly. Nothing against those two, but Steve, Steve McQueen and, and Faye Dunaway. Right. Yeah. It's also got a random multiple box shot polo scene in it you know like sideways where there's a bunch of different things going on at once yeah Uh, 60s that and have steve mcqueen playing polo or driving a dune buggy and that happens in thomas crown affair quite a bit awesome so that sounds pretty rad dune buggy yeah uh but yeah i mean the rest of the thomas crown affair the reason why i don't really ever mention that is because the rest of the movie is kind of lame it's just like one long love story I mean, I just wanted to. Once I saw that heist, it's like, yeah, that was very cool. Yeah. But the 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 rest of it was only okay. The man with apple heist. That is a yeah. really cool heist. Yeah, very cool heist. And so, yeah, I would say that it, the heist is definitely better than the towns, but the the location of the heist in the town is better than the museum in the Thomas Crown Affair. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's aliens. <laughs> exactly. Always aliens. <laughs> My number nine is a movie I'm sure I have never mentioned before. What? Which I mean, I probably mention it all the time because it's Melancholia. Oh, yes. Once again, it's one of those ones where I can't remember really remember which one it is. But wait, wait, is that the space one? Is that why you said space or aliens? It's kind of, it's about a rogue planet destroying Earth. And it's the one where we know right at the beginning that Earth gets yes, destroyed, so right? The, like, it, it is a two-hour and 15-minute movie where you see the ending in the first five minutes. Right. Okay, yeah. That's that's the one. As soon as you said, I was like, Melancholia, people are... I know we've talked about this one. And that one does sound super interesting. Yeah. Um, and also like a real romp. Oh, compared to 12 Years a Slave? Actually, this one's pretty tough, too. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it is about melancholia. And it's all infused with melancholic sadness. Because you know that the end is coming. Right? And that's the thing. Do they know in the movie that the end is coming? They don't. So the Earth gets destroyed and they have no idea that it's going to happen. Eventually they figure it out. Oh, okay. They know the rogue planet is going to pass by and they think it's going to miss them. Mm Mm-hmm. But it does not. I see. And so it yeah. squashes them, basically. Yeah, the entire planet. Gone. Yikes. Huh. Uh, and it's Lars Van Trier, so it's pretty. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, 
Kirsten Dunst, Kiefer Sutherland, Charlotte Gainsbourg, Alexander Skarsgård, John wow. Hurt's in it. Um, yeah. That's a and that's a pretty good group of people. Yeah, it's got a good cast. And it's essentially yeah. in two parts as you kind of watch things break apart. It's it's complicated. It's a Lars Venture movie. All of his movies are complicated. Like Andy Cristo. Right. So Okay. Uh I'm just gonna write all these movies down that Melancholia. Perfect. I, I have no idea if or when I'll ever see these movies, because unless they're on Netflix or the movie network, there's a good chance I won't. But hey, you know, at least if I have them written down, maybe I'll remember. Again, I'm pretty sure I watched Melancholia on Netflix. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, huh. But the problem is, as I don't think it's there anymore, I'm watching them before they go away. I'm like, oh man, it's Melancholia. I watch it. Whereas then we do a list a year and a half later, two years later... And they're not there anymore. No, and that's the thing, right? Is Unless you're texting me right away being like, hey, you need to watch this movie, there's a good chance that I'll miss it. Yeah, and your PVR is so big. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in my PVR I need to churn through. Yes, there is. So that's my number nine, Melancholia. If you cool. want to know more about it, go to the most underrated movies article on the website or any of the other times I've mentioned it visually striking other stuff too yeah there you go my number nine is The Artist Uh, Mm -hmm. pretty sure we talked did we do foreign films before I can't remember Uh, I feel like we might have in the Lost podcast yeah I've definitely talked about The Artist before and I can't remember in which podcast but anyway it's it's a a terrific film Um, Mm -hmm. it's uh, silent film star who is coming to grips is there now now I'm getting this and um, singing in the rain confused is sound introdu- introduced in the artist as well yep okay and, it and also- that's part of the thing is is him dealing with the the advent of, of sound on on screen yeah because he is a silent film star who rejects it like a lot of them did where they they're just like oh sounds a fad Right. It'll never spread everywhere and it won't be a thing. So he makes that that big budget silent film that bombs because everybody's into sound pictures now, right? Right. But the the woman that he helps to get into the industry becomes a sound star. Right. So her star is on the rise while his falls. And then she, to thank him for what he did... And also there's the, the love interest and that sort of thing. Naturally. Once he gets past his folly or whatever you want to call it, then it becomes, that's when they're doing that, uh, the song and dance picture at the end. Right, right. Spoilers, okay, I guess. Sense. Yeah, for a movie that came out like seven or eight years ago. 2011? Yeah, six or seven years yeah. ago. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great fl- film. Um, it was cool to see something done basically silent and yep. i mean for for those of us who have only grown up in a generation where there's been film and or sound and film it's just nice to see something different and and i just thought it was really well done and a cool concept and even people who i know who are not necessarily artsy type film fans really really enjoyed this movie so i just felt like it was accessible as well which was nice well, what's really neat is that it used sound as a character as well like even though there weren't sound like, he wasn't making sound pictures. Mm-hmm. There's that scene where he starts hearing sound. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, and the movie kind of grows. It's very yeah. neat. Yeah, it's it's a very well done film. So, I'm, did it win Best Picture? It did. Yeah. Okay. Which yeah. makes a lot of sense. It was definitely worth the worth the the win. Yeah, it was very very good. Mm-hmm. So my number nine is The Artist. Cool. My number eight is higher on Dave's list. So right. we'll talk about it then. Sweet. My number eight is The Fighter. Uh, Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale and uh, Hey Dave, it- where's this set? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it may or may not also be set in Boston, or I guess what it's it's Mass- Lowell, Massachusetts, which is what a suburb of Boston. Yeah, yeah. So it's Massachusetts. It's probably people playing Red Sox fans. Um, uh huh. It's I mean, starring a Wahlberg. I know, mm. weird, right? It's another movie where Mark Wahlberg plays a character who is kind of an underdog and then rises and becomes a hero, basically. This was kind of the his MO for a lot of the films he's done. I mean, Invincible and Rockstar and this one, and I'm sure there's a couple other ones. Like, There's, there's a lot of these types of movies, but I really enjoy this one, and partially be- sure. because of the, the story behind him fighting and training, but also the Christian Bale side where... He has, you know, Christian Bale is is a drug addict. I think it was crack. I think he was addicted to, um, and and he was gonna he was supposed to be the best, the better fighter of the two, but he kind of put his Washed career, out. yeah, he put his career down the drain because of because of drugs, and uh, so he's trying to to help spar with the with his brother, and and as a reason, you know instead he ends up going to jail and cleaning up and it's uh it's a good movie it's a really really hard movie to watch um but compared to my list no no compared to your okay. list it's fine i just mean and as a general rule <laughs> like i think the drug the drug abuse and and everything like that it's just it's there's a lot of tough things to there's a lot of subjects in here that are not necessarily happy subjects but at the same time you know yeah. it's a lot of it is about boxing, and that's... I don't know. It's it's a fun movie. Not a fun movie. It's just a... It's like, wait, that's the wrong adjective for that. Um, <laughs> it's a well-shot movie, um, and I think Christian Bale won Best Supporting Actor for it. I believe he did. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, the guy lost a bunch of weight to look like he was a drug addict and did a very good job of, of portraying that brother and, and just the the things that he did. And yeah, it's it's a it's a good flick. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that easy to find? I. It's easier to find than shame or melancholia. Is it? I. I assume so. I mean, the fighter. I'm sure it was on Netflix at one point, and um, so were all the movies you just said. Yeah, but I guess this one's just a little bit more uh, universal, I guess, or or more mainstream, I should say. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's so, fair. So mainstream, it's a little bit more accessible, but I mean, who's to say that? You know, with once once we lost Blockbuster and everything like that, once you once a movie disappears from the movie network or Netflix, then how the hell do you find it? iTunes. Yeah. Well, there you go. If you or, guys have an iTunes membership, then you could probably find the fighter. iTunes membership? Can't you get like subscription or something to iTunes? And I don't know. Or you just rent things? Just rent things. Fine. Well, it's it costs the same as it did at actually less than it did at Blockbuster. Yeah, it's like a couple bucks, isn't it? And sometimes they have deals where it's like, watch this movie for ninety nine cents. 
Yeah, the the week that we're recording, I guess the week this comes out, it's Arrival is a dollar. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I haven't seen Arrival yet. And now Dave goes to his iTunes account. <laughs> oh, God, I can't spend more money on things like that. It's a dollar. Also, I have a bunch of... I know, but I have a bunch of South Park I have to get through. That's true. Yeah. Spoilers alert for something that's coming a few months from now, probably. <laughs> Spoiler for something that's coming eventually, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Sean, what's your number seven? Why, it's the Lego movie, Dave. Nice. I love Excellent the Lego movie. Excellent choice. It's so good. How this wasn't even nominated for Best Animated Film in its Oscar year boggles my mind. It's insane. I don't even know what, what won that year, but this one is better than it. I'm just going to oh. put myself out there and say it. My whatever Pixar did, sure. I guess probably one. Yeah, this movie is better every time you watch it. Yeah, uh, it's as, so good. Well, and especially if you grew up playing Lego. I mean, I know you did, and I definitely did. And just yep. watching all the different things come about, and just kind of going, yeah, I remember that little land, or I remember playing that, or I remember doing this, and I remember everything. Like, just it. It was so accessible re- to oh, so many people. I remember so wanting that castle set. Totally. Oh, I want that fan, like the, yeah. the castle and dragon set. Yeah. Never ended up getting it. Always got space stuff, which was also awesome. Loved the space stuff in general, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many sets I got. I think I just kept getting different Lego. Like, people just bring yeah. me Lego blocks. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That means I just make it, get to, to make a world of my own. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, like there's a, a, a friend of mine, I can't remember who it was, it doesn't really matter, but they were sorting all their kids' Lego into different, like back into the sets, and I just went, are you, really? Like if I got a set, I would build it once, and then it would just all go into my Lego bucket because I just wanted to play with Lego. Yeah, although I do get it. There were those times when, after I had dumped everything in the bucket, it's like, I'd really like to build that pirate island again. Sure. It's going to take me four hours to find all of the pieces in this bucket <laughs> to do it properly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I just, I never, I, I, I just wanted the Lego so I could build stuff. Um, anyway, the movie itself, when I first so saw it, I found it was very, like, there was a lot of quick shots and a lot of quick cuts and everything like that, and, and it was almost overstimulating. Oh, okay. But once I kind of got used to the to the way that they filmed it. I was like, oh, actually, this is this is pretty great. And I mean, the Chris Pratt playing the special and Morgan Freeman and... Um, the uh, cast. Allison, like the, Allison just, Brie playing the cast. Like, the entire cast, the yeah. The entire cast is amazing. The cameos yeah. they got were amazing. Oh, so good. The just, just so random, good. like, here's some Star Wars characters. That, that's Anthony Daniels playing C-3PO for two lines. Mm-hmm. That's the Lego yeah. movie. Exactly. And it's just, it was so fun. And yeah, I've seen it a few different times since. And it's one of those, you know, there are good animated movies everywhere. And yeah. this is one of one of the best, I think, as as far as computer animated goes, for sure. Yeah. And as I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I am sure it is one of the best children's movies made in this century. Oh, I agree. I understand that it is a toy commercial. I mm-hmm. get it. They're, they're basically being like, look at all this cool Lego stuff. But at the same time, 
that's what Lego is. So, mm-hmm. fine? No, exactly. It's it's perfect. Um, I mean, it just kind of the even the message, like just you don't have to build every, build whatever the hell you want. Be creative. That's what Lego's all about. It's just if a fi- if a piece fits together with another piece, then you can build something with it. It doesn't have to be exactly what it looks like on the box. Just do whatever the hell you want because yep. that's the beauty about Lego. Plus, everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. It's true. The Lonely Island, nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> with Tegan and Sarah. Uh, amazing. That's cool. A couple Calgary girls got nominated for an Oscar? Yeah, well, that's their song. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was Tegan and I Sarah think... with The Lonely Island. Huh. Well, good for them. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, anything else for the Lego movie? If you haven't seen it, watch it. There you go. My number seven is Moneyball. Okay. Which does not take place in Boston. It takes place in Oakland. And then he gets flown to Boston. And then he gets flown to Boston. I know. As soon as I was looking, I was like, okay, so the town has Boston. The fighter is Boston. Moneyball has a little bit of Boston. But, I mean, it's it's Billy Bean getting flown to Fenway to talk about moving to the Red Sox after he's had that miraculous season and the 20 straight wins with the Oakland Athletics. Yep. But basically, it's for those of you who haven't seen it, because either you don't think baseball movies sound interesting or you don't like the you know it's it's not baseball-y enough it's a really really good movie um billy bean is the general manager of the oakland athletics and they have a crappy budget because they're the oakland athletics yeah and uh so he has to find a way to win without spending the money that the red sox or the yankees do um and so he he employs i can't remember the guy's name but he's played by jonah hill and basically they approach it from a from a number standpoint and an on-base percentage and and sabermetrics yeah sabermetrics that's what the the process is called yeah um philip seymour hoffman plays the coach who is refusing to buy into the system uh but once he finally buys into the system then you see the athletics they go literally on a 20 game tear where they win 20 straight games and it's just it's absolutely incredible yep um my mom is not a huge baseball fan and loved this movie it's just it's a good film which takes mm-hmm. place around baseball rather than mm-hmm. it being a hundred percent this isn't major league. It's no it's not you're watching the sport and you're watching the game and it's like, oh the ups and downs. It kind of is, but it's the management side. So you're mm-hmm. seeing the deals, you're seeing him struggle with trying to figure it out, you're seeing him be a family man. Exactly. He's divorced. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah. And dealing with his his daughter who loves him and, you know, doesn't want him to get fired and, you know, he also uh, Or move away. He, or move away exactly, um, yeah. It's 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 a really cool movie. It's one of the reasons why I liked Draft Day as much as I did because Draft Day is also one of those movies where it's about the the behind the scenes and the management style versus just football itself. We've seen a ton of those sports movies. It's the stuff that you don't always see, which was really intriguing to me. Yeah, although let's be fair, Moneyball being based on a true story versus Draft Day having the Browns be successful is a completely different thing. <laughs> it's very true. I'm not going to deny that, but you know, from a, it's just cool to see how a draft might work on a on a certain draft day and what what the you know the 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 deadlines are and everything like that for a general manager. But yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, money, money ball is infinitely more believable because it actually happened than draft day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, although the Browns could be better, but we will talk about that more yeah, on August. our NFL preview. 
Yeah. Which is not going to line up with what we are doing this year. No, like we, we year. changed that up. We we were smart about this. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that would be a two and a half hour thing that we we just we just don't need. Nope. And to make sure this doesn't go two and a half hours, hey Sean, what's your number six? <laughs> it's Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, of course it's on this list. I love that movie. Yeah. I talk about it every chance I get. It's on comedy lists. It's on horror lists. It was filmed here. Like, I was just going to say, it's a Calgary-based movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alan Tudyk? Yep. Yeah, that's like literally the only thing I remember as far as who's in it or anything. Because um, you still haven't watched it? No. Give us a quick recap, though. Like, I'm sure I would be able to remember it, but uh, for those who this might be their first podcast and haven't seen it, just remind us of what exactly it is. Okay. First of all, hello. Second of all, affable hillbillies named Tucker and Dale are going mm-hmm. to on vacation. Basically, what happened is uh, one of them bought a cabin. Tucker bought a cabin uh, in the woods, which looks like every serial killer cabin you've ever seen. Sure. And they are going there to fix it up when a group of preppy college students mistake them through a series of unfortunate farcical events for being horrifying hillbilly murderers. And then through weird Rube Goldberg mistakes, the preppy college kids keep dying around them and they're freaking out about it. (laughs) And it's hilarious and it's super well made and it's awesome. That does sound really fun. And I do really want to see that one. I just haven't had a chance yet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my number six. Uh, I don't want to say too much more about it because like to talk about the kills and stuff would ruin it. Right. Right. Well, then uh, we'll just all have to traffic, traffic, track it down. Am I right, podcast yes. listeners? Yeah. My number six is Pearl Jam 20. Uh, I Where, mean, Where's that concert, Dave? <laughs> uh, the Pearl Jam 20 festival was in Wisconsin. Okay. And, yeah. And the one concert that they show on the documentary that I was at was New York. So... I don't think there's a lot to do with Boston in PJ20, which is surprising, I know. First but one so far. <laughs> no, the artist has nothing to do with Boston. I'm pretty sure he gets drunk there once. Probably. Isn't the dog <laughs> a terrier? Not? Aren't all terriers from Boston? <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. Um, Pearl Jam 20 is a documentary by Cameron Crowe about Pearl Jam that came out in their 20th year of his of his existence right and it came out just after their festival of the same name it's talks about the ups it talks about the downs it talks about losing the drummers and uh it talks about the Roskilde festival where a bunch of people died during the Pearl Jam show and how that just about ended the band it's it's a phenomenal documentary even if you don't like Pearl Jam it's interesting enough that you might enjoy it but as somebody who loves Pearl Jam, I love it. There's nothing more I can say. It's just, it's Pearl Jam 20. Okay. Now, is this mm-hmm. pre or post Aloha, Cameron Crow? This would be pre, because this was done in 2011. Okay. So yeah. Aloha would have been 2015, because well, I think it was just after I went to Hawaii, so. Oh, so he's just following you around. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Cameron, I'm in Lethbridge now. Oh, good. A hurricane story. (laughs) Or the pronghorns. I don't know. Either way. Yeah. All right. Well, 
<sighs> we should probably do an ad, take a break, get some water, cool off, and then get back to this. Woo! So, the second half of our list is brought to you by Gemlore the Destructor. Praise Gemlore. And we're back, and I'm going to jump right over to Sean for his number five. Awesome! My number five is higher on Dave's list, so I'm throwing it right back to Dave for his number five. Perfect. My number five is higher on Sean's list, so we're going to talk about that right now. Yeah, Inception. Yeah. So Inception is Sean's number four. That was so Inception-y. My number (laughs) five is higher on yours, so then your number five is higher. Blah! I know. It's, It's crazy. I, I'm not surprised that this list is on both of ours, or this movie is on both of our lists. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of. Um, now I'm blanking on his name. Christopher Nolan. That's the one. Thank you. I was like Christopher Reeve. That's that's not it, but I'm close. Well, you could also be a big fan of Superman. It is true. I do appreciate. Well, I mean, they're okay, but the I like Batman Superman? better. Yeah, they're not bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I like the the stuff I've seen of, of Christopher Nolan's. He's got a, a very interesting mind, I think. Yeah, and, and Dunkirk is coming. Oh my god, I can't wait for Dunkirk. I'm so excited. Right? Yeah, anyway, just the, the concept of this movie is is phenomenal. Um, yeah. I remember I saw it with my brother. I think we saw a matinee one day, and and we came out of the movie, and he was not too happy. He was pretty messed up as far as just trying to wrap his head around what had happened. Okay, sure. I mean, it is a very deep movie, for sure. Yeah. You know, like the the movie itself, there are layers to it, and so you have to kind of unwrap the layers yourself, and it's... it's, Although it, it does explain itself very well. It's just, it's a lot of information mm-hmm. about something that doesn't exist, so you just, you have to process it super fast. Certainly. And that's the thing, is because this is a, a made-up concept, but something that people kind of are aware of, like, I mean, dreaming, that lucidity that comes along with dreaming, lucid dreaming is a very real thing, but going right. from a dream within a dream within a dream, that seems a little bit unrealistic well, like, but I and don't if you know. want to go between the dreams you need a fireman because they can use ladders in dreams to go up and down and <laughs> i knew at some point it was going to get brought up that south park what? episode is amazing it's so good and it's it's funny if you haven't seen inception because it's just like oh it's kind of weird mm-hmm. but if you have seen inception that south park episode is genius yeah if you guys can track it down i can't remember well i mean this movie came out in what 2000 and 12 is it 10 2010 somewhere around there early early part of our list at least like early part of these five years and uh so that's 2010 2010 yeah so that south park episode came out seven years ago and it was just so good oh my god randy marsh made me so happy in that one (laughs) i mean we all know how much of a yeah hey stan oh i'm off to get some butterfly poon (laughs) just so good um, uh, but yeah, this movie is a total mind F and yeah. the end, I mean, I love the ambiguity of, 
of him spinning that that totem at the end just because it never actually stops, so you don't know. I mean, spoiler alert. You're not alert. sure if it's still a dream or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I, you know, obviously he did that intentionally because you don't know what's real and what's not. But at the same time, does Leonardo DiCaprio's character really care? Yeah, like I don't if know. He's, if he's back with his kids and he's, but he's in a dream state, is that is that bad? Worse than being awake and not being with your kids. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting philosophical question. I guess, would you rather be in a coma or a, a dream state for the rest of your life, but it meant that you got the thing you truly wanted, or would you rather be awake in the real life and not necessarily able to get that thing that you always wanted? That's just one of the many questions asked in two and a half hours of movie. Exactly. <laughs> that and how awesome is Ellen Page? Because she's pretty great in that movie. She really is. Yeah. Ken Watanabe, also awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big Tom Hardy fan, so I liked him. And uh, yep. I mean, Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Right. And Lucas Haas, was he the guy at the beginning? Was he the original um, architect? In I the Like when they're in Mumbai? So. I think that's Lucas Haas. I think that's his name. Um, he was kind of one of those guys, like he was around in the early '90s when Leonardo DiCaprio and those guys were really young, and did a few different movies, but never really did much beyond that. But he was in Brick with yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and then he was in this. So I wonder if he and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are friends. He does a he does a lot of indie stuff though. Does he? Like it's not that he's not working. Mm-hmm. Like he's in The Revenant, right? Right. Sure. So he he did that. He did that Johnny Depp movie, Transcendence. Oh, I forgot he did that movie. Uh, he was in Lincoln, briefly in Lincoln. Yeah. So it's not like and he's like, not working. He just, you know, he's not the A-list celebrity that Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, and Leonardo DiCaprio have become, right? And you know, Or just, Tom Hardy. Or Tom Hardy. Yeah. 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 So. Also, Cillian Murphy. Never forget that Cillian Murphy's oh, in it. yeah. And Pete Postlewaite. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Two Pete Postlewaite movies on my list. Cause you just uh, love that Pete Postlewaite. Sure do. I actually really do. I, I was really sad, too, when he died. Um, yeah. You, the guy really was good a character actor. Very good character actor. Phenomenal actor. Um, yeah, he's just one of those guys. Like, he, he had such an intense look about him, but he seemed like he was a pretty cool dude. So, yeah, I was, yeah. I was pretty sad to have seen him go, but, you know, that's the way it goes. But um, And, lest we forget Michael Caine. Michael Caine had a nice bit part in Inception. Yes, he did. Yeah. So... Was he Ellen Page's? Oh no, he was his his uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's ex-wife's or dead wife's father, I think, right? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's been a long Maul, time actually since I've watched Inception, especially beginning to end. It's one of those ones yeah. where when it comes on TV, I'll watch for a little bit, and if it's a commercialized movie, then I'm definitely not watching the whole thing. Uh, no, but, three and a half hours. Blah. Yeah, but if it's if it's one that. Uh, I've come in halfway through. I don't necessarily need to see the whole thing, but I will watch a little bit and kind of go, yeah, that's good, and then move on and watch something else, especially yeah. Jeopardy's on. Because <laughs> I'm 90. Uh, so that was your my five and your four. Yes. So, that means so now it I, is your four. My four. Which was my eight. Which was your eight. Good lord, we're just jumping all over here. (laughs) That was also that South Park episode, right? Yes, it was. Okay. My number four and Sean's number eight is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. 
Um, we've definitely talked about this one before. Visually as, striking. Visually striking, yeah. That's what I thought. I mean, it's Wes Anderson. There is... I mean, Wes Anderson is just... He has a, a motif unto himself. Particularly, oh, yeah. Once he found his voice... I mean, if you see something like Bottle Rocket... Um, Bottle Rocket? Yeah, it's Bottle Rocket. Yeah, okay. I, I Yeah. Um, That's first with the Wilson Brothers. The w- yeah. Wilson Brothers, where they, they're they thieves or they're criminals or robbers or whatever you want to call them. It's, yeah, it's small okay. Small-time crooks. Yeah, small-time crooks. And it's... it's he hadn't developed his his aesthetic yet, but then you get into something like, I mean, the Royal Tenenbaums or or Life Aquatic and stuff like that, where there's things that are very symmetrical and just very elegant to look at and kind of ornate. Like it's just it's high concept, high design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And this movie, I mean, aside from the fact that it is beautiful to look at, it is just it's a great great film. Yeah, uh, it really is. Intriguing storyline, and I mean as all Wes Anderson movies have there's a there's a good storyline to it and that's the other nice thing is you know there's it's it's an interesting story that you want to follow yeah and you're captivated by the people engaging in the in the storytelling and it's Wait, is it Ray Fiennes yeah it is yeah um so it's his story about just kind of being a a world traveler essentially and why he is where he is I wouldn't say world traveler cuz he's the concierge right at the hotel. Oh, right. Is it people coming to see him? Yes. I can't remember. It's been forever since I've seen this movie. He very rarely travels anywhere. He is the concierge at the Grand Budapest Hotel. Right. In the that Republic of Zabroka or I don't know, made up republic. Yeah. And it's it's the story of him running the hotel and the people who come to the hotel, but also the lobby boy who becomes his like right hand man and friend. Right. And the Lobby Boy's love story with the, the pastry girl and all of that sort Lobby of stuff. Lobby Boy's love story. I knew there was a love story and I just couldn't remember. And yeah, so it's just there's there's a lot there's a lot going on in this movie, but it's yep. it's it's fun, it's well written, it's elegant, it's it's a it's a good flick. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we've talked about it before, so I feel like we don't need to dwell on we it. We always say that, but we we always also say that it could be someone's first <laughs> podcast. So if there's something else you want to say Go for it. I know. I I don't think there's more. I mean, I just I just love as a designer. I yeah. love the design in Wes Anderson movies. Um, I did see, and I haven't. I need to remember who it was that posted it on Facebook. But there was a link where people are finding things that in the world that belong in Wes Anderson movies and oh, posting fun. them. Yeah, and it was it's very cool just seeing all the different staircases and everything like that that look like pink sides and everything and it looks exactly like it should be in a Wes Anderson movie and it makes me so so happy yeah the only thing that would make me happier because the only Wes Anderson has kind of a style unto himself like that but so do the Coen brothers like the Coen brothers are very symmetrical and they do like some of the stuff that they've done I think it's um it was either Miller's Crossing or I think it was Barton Fink where there's a shot down this hallway and it was a long, long shot, but it was perfectly centered and very much in the perspective and everything. And it was very cool. And I just thought yeah. like it was very Coen Brothers-y and very Wes Anderson slash, I guess, uh, Stanley Kubricky, Like just yeah. a, a very particular look. And, you know, it's very intentional. Oh, yeah. The, the work that they put into it. And I, I pre- appreciate that sort of attention to detail. Well, the like you mentioned, the best at it because Kubrick was every shot was a painting. Like he's trying to make yeah, everything exactly. look 
a certain way, which is also why stuff took mm-hmm. 127 takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Takes half a year to shoot it because he has to get yeah. things perfect. But then he releases it and it's like, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say, Barton oh. Fink. Barton Fink, just to get our reference in, but also because as soon as I said it, I, all I could think about was kids in the back of a truck yelling <laughs> Sneaking Barton Sneaking into an R-rated movie and Bart- we're going to go see Barton Fink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can think of two things wrong with that title. I know that's no, not Barton Fink. No, it's Naked Fink, Lunch. But, but. Yeah. Uh, same show, different episode. So after all of that Inception-y nonsense, it's now my number three yes great great hey great. sean what's your number three it's in oh it's interstellar oh yeah i haven't seen that one yet christopher nolan again yeah uh, mm-hmm. oh you got two of his in your top five yep back to back three and four yeah yeah wow Matthew McConaughey? Yep. And who else? Oh, uh, Anne Hathaway. Right. Jessica Chastain, John Lithgow, uh, David Oyelowo. Uh, so, you know, a bunch of nobodies. Michael Caine, Casey Affleck, Topher Grace, Matt Damon. Uh, mm-hmm. Haven't heard of any of these people. <laughs> yeah, especially Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Boston. <laughs> It's about a team of explorers, space explorers, who travel through a wormhole in an attempt to ensure humanity's survival because Earth is dying. Okay. That's what it is. I was just going to ask if it was good. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it a good movie? Um, it was shot in and around southern Alberta. Parts of it was, yep. Parts of it was, yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. I... I've heard it's a longer movie. Is that right? It's about three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I the think... ending is very complex. Oh, really? So some people really hate the ending, and some people are like, "Oh, neat. Okay, I get it," and then they move on. Interesting. Okay. Um, it's one of those ones I would like to find somewhere, and I think I had plans to go see it, but the person I was going to go see it with ended up going to see it with another person, and in true day fashion then i was just like well i guess i'm not gonna go see that movie <laughs> so i haven't seen interstellar yet but i do know that i would like to especially because it was kind of it came pretty hot off the heels of gravity it was almost like christopher nolan's answer to gravity kind of yeah um and it's just space movies are always kind of intriguing to me which is why i'm very curious to go see arrival and and uh, passengers, I would like to see. So space movies, I, I would I would enjoy. So I feel like maybe I should check this one out. I just need to find three hours to do it. It's on Netflix. And also, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that will make things marginally easier. Now we just need to allot the time and be like, okay, tonight I'm watching Interstellar. Yep. And it's three hours. So block aside three hours. And yeah. it gets pretty heavy into math a couple times. So get ready to think a bit. Super. I mean, we all know I'm a great mather, so... Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're called, right? Mathers? Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, then I'm set. <laughs> uh, I don't want to <laughs> say too much else, because, again, you haven't seen it. I know a bunch of our listeners probably have. 
Uh, but I don't want to yeah, spoil it for you. Yeah, one of our listeners is probably sitting there going, uh, Dave, get with the program. Uh, and like I said, Arrival, 99 cents this week on iTunes. And Passengers just debuted on the movie network this past Saturday. So Did you can get it for free. I'll have to I'll have to track that one down. <laughs> cool. That's good to know. Uh, my number three uh-huh. actually has Matt Damon in it. Uh-huh. It's True Grit. The hey. remake of True Grit. It's by the Coen Brothers. By the Coen Brothers. So there's themes throughout these whole podcast lists, you guys. Yeah, it's uh, Jeff Bridges. Shocking that he's in a Coen Brothers movie. Yep. Uh, he's basically, he, he plays Rooster Coburn and Cogburn. I'm not sure how you want to pronounce it. Cogburn. Cogburn. It's right. Cogburn. Uh, so this is the remake of the, the John Wayne film that came out a few decades prior to this. And basically it's about a girl who is trying to get money and reparations for her murdered father and she wants to get the man who did it and she hires Rooster and uh, a Texas Ranger named Le Chief to go and help her and it's the antics that happen throughout their trip and isn't it LeBeouf is it LeBeouf oh I think you're right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I knew it was because he's the beef right yes sorry that's my bad Le Chief is from another movie and I can't remember which but yes it is yeah uh, but yes, LeBeouf, thank you for correcting me. Uh-huh. And yeah, so they go out to try and find this guy, and they really don't care for each other, and their their interchanges are pretty amazing, and it's very well written in true Bro- Coen Brothers fashion. James Brolin, nope, Josh Brolin. There you go. The son. Yeah, yep. Josh Brolin plays the, the villain, and he is so good in it. And I mean, it's it's the Coen Brothers. It's witty repartee and cool looking scenery. And I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of the original True Grit, so I would like to see it in full, just because I would like to compare them. But man, this is it's a fun movie. I saw it for the first time in the theater and just fell in love with it. It's it's just really well done. And I think it is on Netflix. It used to it used to be at least because I watched it once or twice on Netflix and. Man, it's a, it's a spectacular film. So It's all things um, Dave. It's a Western. It's got Jeff Bridges in it, and it's done by the Coen brothers. Exactly. Like, it's, it, as soon as it came out with those three pieces, I went, well, yeah, I'm going to watch this. I mean, if it was set, if it started in Boston, that is the only way it would go higher on your list. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong at all. Um, <laughs> If if and when I ever, I mean, I did a, a favorite westerns podcast years ago when Sean was sick or something. I can't remember why, but I did it as a solo, and I'm sure True Grit was on there. But it's easily one of my favorite westerns of all time. So, um, yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. I think the one thing, like you say, you want to see both of them. I yeah. have uh, the new one is miles better. That's kind of what I've heard. Yeah. The old one does not hold up well. Yeah, and that kind of worries me. Um, and I don't think it would make me not like this one, but I just... Oh, no, it didn't. Yeah. For me, at least. It it had no bearing on it because it is so different and so far apart. Oh, is that right? In quality terms. Yeah. And I like I we've talked before about how I'm not a big Western mm-hmm. guy, but I appreciate... Like, I've seen a bunch mm-hmm. of them. I appreciate them. They're fine. But yeah, the like the new True Grit was shortlisted for me, and whenever the original True Grit came out, it I can promise you it was nowhere near my list. <laughs> That's fair. Well, and the fact that it was even shortlisted for you in this 
in these five years is a testament to how much you enjoyed it and how well done it is. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, well, that's cool. It is an excellent film. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and for me, I'm not going out of my way to see a lot of John Wayne movies, but this is not necessarily the one I would go see first. I know there are better ones that are worth worth investigating before this one. So if it's on, I might be yeah, hard just to watch it, them. but it's not one that I'm that I'm going to go out of my way to see. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Number two. Uh, yeah. I have talked about this movie a lot. Okay. Uh, it is called The Wind Rises. Mm-hmm. It I is do remember the title. An animated film by Hayao Miyazaki. Okay. It is about Hiro Horo... Oh, Hiro Horikoshi. Don't know why I stumbled on that. Uh, and he's the man who designed this Zero. The plane. Oh, okay. It I is... thought you meant the, the number Zero. I was like, okay? Uh, that no. sounds super interesting. No, that would have um, been an Arabic man. Like a Egyptian or Persian man, probably. Yeah. Because yeah. we use Arabic numerals. No, no, no. This is The Wind Rises, the story of the man who made the warplane, the Zero. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And it's an anime film. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. Uh, you have more animated movies on your list than I do. If you include computer animated and anime and hand-drawn and everything, that's that that never happens. Yes. Or seldom happens. Seldom happens. Yeah. But also, there's a difference between The Wind Rises and, say, Frozen. Sure. Frozen, great film. But The Wind Rises is the life story of a man who made planes. And it's a war story and a love story, but it's animated. <laughs> By yeah. hand. That sounds pretty incredible. It's amazing. I love this movie. I have talked about it in top ten animated films. Mm-hmm. And it'll... In my top ten underrated films. And my top five underrated films from this era article. And I talk about this movie all the time. So to tell any more is just kind of silly. It's literally about the man who makes a plane. But it's brilliant. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Well, that very that's very cool. Um, yeah. How did you track this one down? Is it on your anime website thing that you have? No, it was actually on the movie network. Really? Yeah, they show it from time to time. They have a tendency every once in a while at weird times just to show Hayao Miyazaki films. So like Spirited cool. Away and The Wind Rises and that sort of stuff. Okay. So it'll pop up. Excellent. And you'll text me, of course, when that happens. I think I did so the I last time. No. Oh, well, then I... Uh, the Wind Risers, right? That's what it rises. is. Rises. Um, yeah, I know. I just wrote Risers. I was like, that's wrong. <laughs> Cool. Anything else? You've talked about it. Is there any... It, you've talked about it before. Is there anything that... I talk yeah. about it a lot. To say anything other than what I have said would probably spoil it. Your call on whether you want to watch it in Japanese with subtitles or dubbed, both are fantastic. Interesting. I do find... And that is rare. Is that... Yeah. Well, I do find that normally I would prefer... I actually prefer subtitled than I do dubbed. I find dubbed very frustrating. Yeah, I do as but well. But that's in live action... Um, I don't know as much because I don't watch a lot of anime that that is dubbed, but I also don't watch a lot of anime. Yeah. 
Um, I feel like it wouldn't be quite because you don't get to see their mouth move quite as regularly as you do a human being. You can definitely tell when something is dubbed in live action versus anime. I feel like it's not quite as easy to tell, but either way, I think I would still prefer subtitles. That is that is typically the way I go. Well, just as a heads up, the English cast is mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's the main character. Okay. John Krasinski. Emily Blunt, Martin Short, okay. Stanley Tucci, Mandy Patinkin, Mae Whitman, Werner Herzog, Jennifer Grey, and William H. Macy. Good lord. Uh, that's what I mean. Like, the dubbing cast is spectacular. <laughs> no kidding. Aren't are Jim, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt married? Yes, I think so. I think so, anyway. That's not the sort of podcast we talk about. I have n- I know nothing about Hollywood gossip, but as soon as you said those two names, I was like, I think they're married. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's a remarkable cast for for dubbing. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so well, maybe I will try and watch both. Uh, the one that you're most likely find to it. find on the movie network will be dubbed. That makes sense because it's a little bit more accessible and universal. I think exactly when, when you have those A listers on there. So yeah, exactly. Well, that's good to know. So yeah, cool. it's a movie about a plane. A man making a plane. <laughs> when you put it like that, like if that's your tagline, I'm going, well, pass. <laughs> but when you actually go into the into the depths of it, it sounds, it sounds very cool. Well, it's a movie about a man whose dream has always been to make planes because he finds them to be the most beautiful. Flight is the most beautiful thing on Earth. But at the time in Japan, the only people he could work for to make planes was the industrial complex. So he's forced to make right. military planes. So his goal is to make beautiful planes, but they are for the military. Yeah, you almost sacrifice your morals to be able to do what you want to do. Like It's it's just such a tough thing to compromise your values. But at the same time, it's like, do I really want to do this, which has been my dream my entire life? Or do I want to not... And know that I wasn't part of the war machine. Right. Oof. That's a that's a, that's quite the quite the dilemma. So does that sound better than it's a story of a man who makes a plane? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna watch it regardless, but now that just that gives it a little bit more pizzazz. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay. So my number two was my was somewhere on five. your list, right? That's what I thought. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy, another yeah. space movie. Space movies. I mean, it's a Marvel... So it's a comic book space movie. Yep. With Chris Pratt, but it's spectacular. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing an ad for it. I guess it would have been... Because it came out in the summer of 2014, I believe. Pretty sure you're uh, right, yeah. Yeah, it had to be 2014, because there's no way that it was any later than that. Anyway, so yeah, it came out in the summer of 2014. I, I remember earlier that year sitting and watching a movie and saw a preview for it, and it was kind of just the lineup. And so you saw Groot, and then you saw uh, Gamora. Is that that? Yep. Yeah, Gamora. And then you saw uh, Rocket, and then you saw Chris Pratt, and and they were just going through the lineup, and it was just even that was intriguing to me. And then when I actually went and saw that movie, I just absolutely loved it. It was so well done. Yeah. And it's a comic book movie that you've seen. That I've seen and that I have ranked that... this high. Yeah. It was. It, it came very, very close to becoming my number one movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the only reason that it made it on my list at all was because you mentioned Jurassic World as a joke. And then I was like, have I ranked Guardians of the Galaxy? 
and I had it. So I'm glad that you had had mentioned it because that made me think about Chris Pratt and then this movie. Um, but yeah, it's it's easily one of my favorites. It's funny. It's there's some good action scenes. Um, it's an in- intriguing story. And oh, Dave Bautista is hilarious. Yeah, Drax is awesome. Drax is awesome, and it's got a phenomenal soundtrack. Yep. I was camping on the May Long weekend and somebody had their speaker their just their Bluetooth speaker and I heard uh, if you like Pina Colada and I can't remember what the next movie was or the next song was, but I'm like, is this the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack? Because it's awesome. And yeah, it, it was. And it's just like it's 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 not very often anymore that soundtracks have that much of an impact, but that one everybody who who watched that movie seemed to love that soundtrack because it's a bunch of fun songs and nothing new exactly yeah it's absolutely nothing new it's all 70s 80s and that's i think the the charm is that you know people write songs for soundtracks like okay yeah this song's okay and sometimes it worked like going to like batman forever uh seals kiss from a rose (laughs) was a great song and it was written f- out of every movie you could have picked a song that was made for. You picked Batman Forever. I'm just trying to think of soundtracks that I listened to when I was growing up. I mean, I could do the <laughs> the turtle rap from Ninja Turtles 2 by Vanilla Ice. I mean, clearly that should have been your first choice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, when you write those songs, often it's just like, okay, yeah, this is a song for the soundtrack. Big deal. Whereas this one. It's all songs that have been done before, and it's just it's it's so good and so it just helps fit the motif of the of the movie. And it charted. Mm-hmm. The awesome mix, Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy, awesome mix number one, charted. Really? With a, no new song, no new anything. I think Blue Swede charted as a single as well. That's amazing. Because of Guardians of the Galaxy, because everyone's like, man, that song is great. Yeah. And so they, and like you're saying, everybody loves the soundtrack, so they buy it, and so it's charting. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. I, I like it. I, I really like that, actually. I heard Blues, I heard Hooked on a Spieling, I think it was also on the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack, and that was when I first heard it. And so when I heard it on this, I was like, okay, I can get behind this. And then <laughs> every song after that was terrific, so. Anyway, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, fell in love with it. Haven't seen the second one yet, but cannot wait to see it. And when I do, I'm sure it will make my favorite li- uh, movies from 2015 to 2019. I would be surprised if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it yet? So, No, but I've heard enough. Yeah. Essentially, it was the same situation as you with Interstellar. Oh, yeah. Where it was like, oh, I'm going to go with these people. Oh, crap, I can't make... Oh, what? You, you went without me? Oh, well, that was my opportunity to go, so... Yeah, friends are awesome like that, aren't they? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that's my number two and your number five. And now we're at to my number one. Mm-hmm. Which is another Wes Anderson movie. Okay. Which is Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Which is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. And my favorite movie from this era. Which, mm-hmm. when you're talking to me means something yeah yeah so there's definitely a theme here and i mean along the theme of every other list we've ever done i have not seen sean's number one although it's wes anderson and so this is one of those ones where i will absolutely i'm amazed see i know like how have you not seen moonrise kingdom i don't know i think it i don't 
I would have to go through his his filmography, but I have seen most of his movies, and I feel yeah. like this is the one of the few, if maybe the only one that I haven't seen. Out in 2012. Yeah, it's the story of a pair of young lovers, literally young. It's they're teenagers, like okay. young kids playing the lead characters. In their New England town, I'm sorry, Dave, it's not Boston. It's well, more of like a Maine. I'm out. Which causes a local search party to fan out for them. It is completely amazing. It is Wes Anderson to a T. The cast is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The kids were great. It's so... It's not as stylized as Grand Budapest Hotel is. Okay. But it's... More of that quirky, weird Wes Anderson. Oh, okay. Where stuff just randomly happens, like Jason Schwartzman's there for ten minutes, and all of it's the real snappy dialogue the entire time. This is the standard Wes Anderson cast, outside of the kids, of course, because I I highly doubt you would recognize their names. Uh, But Bruce Willis, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Francis McDermott, Tilda Swinton, Jason Schwartzman... Bob Balaban, like, it's it's your standard Wes Anderson cast. Hmm. It does sound like good watching. And, again, it's one of those ones that I will absolutely get to when I have the chance. It's just, I I think we actually had, um, you know how you and I have done a couple of those preview movie things? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think when I was working at the Pump House, we always used to get some, and I remember Moonrise Kingdom came across the desk, but I think I had to work that night, and I was really uh, disappointed, and apparently, because I couldn't go to the preview, I decided I was never going to see it ever, so yeah. um, <laughs> apparently I'm holding strong to my boycott or something. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom, and your scout uniforms. Yeah. Hate scout uniforms. Oh, uh, man. That sounds so good. It's... Oh. Yeah. Well, I will, it, I will obviously, check it out. it's my favorite movie yeah. from this five-year period, so... And you said your favorite Wes Anderson? Yeah, it is, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now, that said, hmm. I am not a, as big of a Tenenbaums fan as everyone else is. Right. I don't know why. That one's just never clicked with me as much. Oh, okay. That was but, the first one of his I think I saw, and so that one really resonated with me. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, I also, I love Gene Hackman. He was perfect as Royal Tenenbaum, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, um, it's it's a great film. It's just, when a lot of people, when they talk about their favorite Wes Anderson movie, it's Tenenbaums, or some people are love The Life Aquatic because it's mm-hmm. just so weird. Or Grand Budapest is the latest and biggest well-known, kind of. Yeah. Because it was a, really a culmination of a lot of his stuff coming together. But I just love right. The Rise Kingdom. Fair enough. Well. I will uh, I will check it out when I have the chance. Great. Yeah. My number one is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yeah. I love this movie. I, I was surprised I... this was number one. Yeah, I know. It's, uh... I kept looking at it on my... As I just wrote down all the movies on my list, and it just kind of went, okay, yeah, and it just kept making its way up there and up there and up there, and I just... I don't know why I love this movie so much. I think it's just the concept of it is really cool and just the adventure that he goes on and it's just very unique and I just I just appreciated it. And I think did Ben Stiller direct this one? I, I think he think he did. I want to say that he did that he starred and directed in it. Starred in and directed it. Um 
but regardless, like it's yep, just it's a, it's okay. It's a very interesting concept. This guy who kind of lives in his own world, and he's the he does something with photos. I can't remember what his his actual title is in at Life Magazine, but Life Magazine is going online, and so they're no longer public uh, publishing publishing uh, actual magazines and basically people are losing their jobs and he he yeah. lost a photo negative that this incredible photographer had sent that was supposed to be the cover of the the final issue of life and so he goes on this this hunt around the world for this photographer who is kind of very elusive and you know he ends up in Iceland and he ends up on a on a uh, steam or not a steamship like a, a cargo ship and then he ends up yep. outrunning an avalanche in Iceland and then goes through like Afghanistan and has to meet warlords and everything like that. It's just, it's very interesting. And, um, I, I just found myself so drawn into it. And every time I watch it, it makes me happy. And yeah, I don't know. There's something about, about this film. So yeah, it just kind of kept rising higher and higher on my list. And here we are at number one. So no, that's, yeah. that's fair. It is a beautiful movie mm-hmm. and it's very sweet. Yeah. And it's sweet in a way that a lot of movies these days aren't. Yeah, there's kind of some humanity to it and, um, you know, some interesting... There's a couple little one-off lines that happen, particularly when... He, I don't want to talk about who the photographer is or anything like that, but when he when he finds finally finds the photographer, the photographer says one line and it's just like, it really resonated with me and, and I appreciated the... the the candor of the movie, I guess, and it's, it's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kristen Wiig's great in it, and Adam Scott plays such a d-bag in it, and he plays the perfect d-bag in this movie. I mean, he does it in other movies too, but let's let's be fair; he is an excellent actor when it comes to playing d-bags. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's an excellent actor in general. I've seen him play like in Parks and Recreation when he plays Ben. He's very different than any other character that I've ever seen him play. But man, as as the I, the consultant or whatever it is that comes in to Life Magazine, he is just such a jackass, and he's just so good at it. Makes me so happy. So it's just nice to see him play different things. And yeah, he he does a d bag very well in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. he really does. But no, it, it's quite beautiful. Have you seen the original? As this is a remake, I have not. I don't even think I knew it yes. was an original or it was a remake. Ah, uh, no, it is originally a Danny Kaye musical. Really? Yes. Huh. I did not know that. Again, quite different, as it is a Danny Kaye musical, so it's a frivolous kind of 30s escape into fantasy sort of thing. Versus a escape into fantasy but grounded. non-musical, grounded, yeah, just kind yeah. of in your own head sort of thing. Huh. 30, I said 30s, it's 40s. It's, okay. So 40s less, Dave. Huh? There, there you go. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's, so it's it's a Danny Kaye, it's about getting, he gets caught up in a conspiracy. Like, it's very different. Oh, interesting. The, like, the, the Ben Stiller version, I prefer. Oh, okay. I like the way he grounded it, and I like what he did with it. Right. But it is, if you're looking for a fun, kind of whimsical, musical, 40s version of the story of Walter Mitty, then you can watch the original. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. That's our list. Do you have anything else to say? Nah, I'm good. Well, I guess that's it. You, Mr. and Miss Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we just want to answer your questions or have a good old chat. 
Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. Sean is at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. And we are at Guys from Podcast. Email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to say that again. Guysfrompodcast at gmail.com. Facebook what was us. that? Guysfrompodcast at gmail.com. Just one more time. G-U-I-S-F-R-O-M-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. <laughs> so close. So close. You can Facebook us at The Guys From or set a movie in Boston. You know I'll see it. In that movie, have a billboard or something with your question on it. That's a nice subtle way of getting the message to us without being overly overt or like subtitle it maybe. I don't know. Anyway, get it in there. But as long as it's set in Boston, there's a good chance I'll see that movie. And then I will find out what your question is and relay it to Sean and we can answer it. <laughs> Dear Mark Wahlberg, I want to ask the guys from podcast a question, so I've written this movie script. Will you please star in it? All right. Love Craig. Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you enjoy the guys from podcast, tell anyone you can any way you can. And the best thing you can do to help us get the word out there, get more ears on our random rambly lists, is if you could leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found, including the Blueberry app, Two Thumbs Up Media, Stitcher, Player FM, you name it, we are probably there. Hey Dave, mm-hmm. is there anything you wanted to plug? Sean played it before we started recording, and now it's in my head. Um, I'm pretty sure I also pitched this in episode 132, but, I mean, sometimes you can repitch something, and I'm gonna. You should probably listen to Feels Like the First Time by Foreigner, because this kind of felt like the first time we were doing a podcast. So, um, do it. Do it now. Sean? On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting this weirdly longer-than-I-thought-it-would-be podcast, we also write articles on things like music. That's indie music every day, throwback tracks every Thursday, gaming, we keep mentioning South Park stuff, we're probably going to write about South Park soon, there's Simpsons stuff, there's a whole bunch of things you can read on the website. And where can they find all that again? www.theguysfrom.com One more time? www.theguysfrom.com Oh, yeah, okay, right. Head to iHorror.com for all of your horror news, interview, and review needs. And speaking of doing things in the pitch section that we do all the time, watch some of the movies you haven't seen from our lists. Probably Mm -hmm. mine. Like those Steve McQueen ones I talked about earlier, because those are a bit lesser known. 12 Years a Slave, maybe not so much, but shame. Yeah, haven't heard of it until today. Exactly. Yeah. Special thanks to The Sweets for our terrific opening music. Check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. Also, special thanks to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for our takeout music called Fireflies and Stardust, as well as our ad music today called... Oh, no. That's wrong. The takeout music is something different. I can't remember what it is. Fearless First. Fearless First, yeah. Fearless First. I I recorded over... Or I uh, typed over the wrong thing. The takeout music is called Fearless First, and the ad music was called Fireflies and Stardust. So that's that's the way it should be. Yeah, that that that's it. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, just one final quick little thing. Congratulations to the captain of the Calgary Flames, Mark Giordano, who on Wednesday evening won the Muhammad Ali Humanitarian Award. He was amongst people like Larry Fitzgerald and Ernie Els and uh, maybe Curtis Granderson from the MLB. The fact that a guy from a small town hockey market was considered the best humanitarian of all the professional sporting world is a pretty incredible honor. So congratulations to him for that one. Yeah. 
This has been episode 176 of the Guys From Podcast. It's really hot and I'm tired. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing but figuring out how to do this in a new way. At a new time. In a new place? Half? Well, for me, anyway. <laughs> <laughs>